Gospel of our Saviour Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 2, beginning at the 22nd verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of the Lord was upon him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we prepare to gather at your table, we give you thanks for all your provision for us. And we pray as we turn again to your word that you would speak to us from it. Feed our souls, we pray, in Jesus' name. 
Well, thank you, Morris, for your uh, invitation to come and uh, for your welcome here this evening. Uh, it's, it's great uh, to be here and to have the opportunity to, to share with you. It's um, too many years since I sat here on a regular basis, uh, and uh, it is a, a privilege to be invited to come and share with you. I've been rector of St Nicholas's in Carrickfergus on the north shore of, of Belfast Loch for uh, the last uh, 10 years. And uh, I don't know how things are in your part of uh, Christ's kingdom, but in our part of the world, uh, baptisms have become less and less frequent as a, a generation perhaps uh, have uh, drifted from uh, the church haven't uh, been a part of the church on a regular basis and, and so in many ways simply don't see the need to have their children baptised. So it's been a, a, a lovely thing over the last number of weeks to have had a run of baptisms and you can imagine uh, that's been a joyful thing uh, for us to share in as a church family. Uh, there's been uh, lots of, of new people around. Uh, it's a happy occasion, of course, for uh, the family of the child. And it's a happy occasion for the church family too, as uh, we look and we see uh, in these moments uh, signs of a hopeful future. Uh, welcoming the next generation, uh, taking joy in the little idiosyncrasies of the way that children sometimes contribute to our, our worship. Uh, baptisms are great fun. Uh, I love them, I have to say. Maybe you're somebody, particularly if, if you've uh, maybe only baptised on occasion, or maybe you're still looking forward to that opportunity. Maybe you're somebody who approaches the idea of a baptism with fear and trepidation. Uh, what if I drop it? Uh, let me say, uh, put you at your ease. Uh, I've never seen anybody drop a, a baby at baptism yet. And if, if the baby picks up on your nerves and howls the place down, well, that's just all good fun as far as the congregation are concerned. <laughs> they love to see the clergy squirm in these situations. So as we say, uh, such occasions are moments of great joy. And yet, uh, we have to be honest and say, at times, we can allow ourselves to become preoccupied with the, the sentimentality of the moment. Uh, we uh, are delighted at uh, the, the, the presence of, of children. Uh, we love to see uh, what's going on. Uh, it's, it's great, isn't it, to, uh, well, to, to coo uh, over uh, a new baby. And yet, if that is our focus, we're missing out on what is a, a theologically profound moment, something spiritually really important that's going on. In many ways, as, as we turn to uh, Luke's account of the presentation of, of Christ in the temple, we could, if we were simply to turn to it superficially, 
look at it uh, just with sentimental eyes. Here are two faithful elderly worshippers delighted to see the young family uh, arriving in God's temple. Uh, The poor young couple come to engage in the traditional religious ceremonies uh, and they find themselves centres of attention. And yet, as we turn to Luke's account, uh, we see that the presentation of Christ in the temple has so much more to say to us. So much more uh, to give to us. Indeed, so much more to challenge us with. Uh, there's, there's no end of things that we could say uh, about what's happening in this passage. But I want to suggest to you this evening that uh, we might take away a number of things from our gospel reading this evening. Uh, A challenge to obedience. Uh, A challenge also to patience. Uh, And then the challenge to be people of proclamation. Let's think about those uh, things for a few moments. As we read these verses, Luke reminds us that that Mary and Joseph are faithful Jewish people uh, whose response to the remarkable activity of God in their lives is reflected in their obedience to the tradition and to the laws that they have learned. In Luke's account, a number of things are going on. Uh, In the verse just before we began our reading, uh, we are reminded that at eight days of age, Jesus had been circumcised and and given his name according to the law. Uh, And as we we come to the passage that we listened to this evening, uh, we're reminded that Mary, like all other Jewish mothers, had been deemed to be unclean as a result of childbirth under the Levitical Code. And so she and Joseph come to the temple with the requisite sacrifice to restore ritual purity to their lives. And also in these verses, we're reminded that this is the firstborn, the firstborn son. And since the days of the Exodus, Israel has understood that all firstborn sons belong to the Lord. And so Jesus is presented to the Lord in the temple uh, in accordance with the requirement uh, of the law. You know, as we we think about those things and as we think about ideas that that seem very strange to our 21st century way of living uh, and thinking, Mary and Joseph live obediently under the law of God. They are faithful. Do they understand uh, every part of the Lord's reasoning in these rules, in these laws, in these guidelines uh, for his people? Uh, I'm sure they don't. But they are faithful. They trust that God is God 
uh, and so obediently they follow his prescription for their lives. Their faithfulness uh, in this moment uh, should prompt us to look at ourselves and to ask ourselves the question, what does obedient service look like uh, for Christians living in Ireland uh, in 2020? What does it mean for us to live obediently uh, under the reign of God? Of course, our circumstances are different. Uh, we, we know the, the good news of the gospel fulfills the law. We know that Christ's death and resurrection, uh, if you like, liberate us from a, a slavish observance of the law. But have we rejoiced so much in the liberty of the gospel that we forget sometimes that we too are called by Jesus to obedient service. Obedience. We're reminded too uh, in this passage of, of the virtue of patience. Uh, as we turn to Simeon and to Anna, uh, we come to two individuals uh, whose lives seem in so many ways to, to reflect patience at every turn. Uh, we're not told exactly what age Simeon is, but all the, all the language, uh, all the clues would point us to the fact that this is a man uh, coming towards the end of his days. Luke tells us that he's a righteous man, a man uh, who the Holy Spirit is with, uh, one who is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Interesting phrase, the consolation of Israel. The day when Israel's troubles uh, would be over, when God's judgment, his chastisement would be over. The day when the Lord would comfort his people to pick up some of the, the language of Isaiah chapter 40. Simeon has been promised by the Holy Spirit that he will see the Lord's Christ before he dies. And as we listen to those words that we Anglicans have taken and, and used as a, a canticle in our evening worship on so many occasions, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Simeon's response to God's faithfulness. I'm ready to go now. Uh, you've been true to your word. I've seen your promise fulfilled. I wonder how many times Simeon wondered. How many times he perhaps uh, sat uh, knowing God's promise to him but wondering when would it ever happen. As he looks for the, the consolation of Israel, no doubt he, he, he would have joined in that with, with many others who wondered when would the Lord's Messiah come? How long would they have to wait? Why couldn't it at all have happened uh, so much uh, quick, more quickly? But Simeon is rewarded for his patience and he sees 
the child Jesus. He sees the Lord's Messiah. And then, of course, Anna, uh, depending on how you translate the passage, she's either 84 years old or maybe even has been a widow for 84 years. Whichever you choose, the, the picture is one of a, a, a life that has been lived for a long time. Uh, a life uh, which no doubt has been full of challenge because if she'd been widowed after only seven years of marriage, she'd lived a long time on her own. And yet here is a woman who lives patiently, obediently, every day of her life worshipping God in our impatient fast moving 21st century world where we're used getting what we want uh, and getting it in a timely manner uh, what would we make of Anna's situation what would we say God, why have you allowed this to happen? Why do I have to endure? Anna worships. And we are reminded in these verses that God's plans unfold in his perfect time. In our busy world, where is the place of waiting, of watching, of listening? for the promptings of God. We can learn from the patience of these godly saints. But of course, uh, as we conclude, we remind ourselves that these are not simply to walk on parts in a drama. These are people who speak, uh, people who uh, contribute something to the story. These are people uh, who speak, speak to uh, God, speak to others. And their proclamation of Jesus, their acclamation of him, uh, and their then telling about him uh, is a proclamation of joy and hope as they come to the temple as they see the infant Jesus they respond to their encounter with thanksgiving to God they recognize in this child that God is active and working before their very eyes Simeon holds the infant Jesus in his arms he, he proclaims, uh, as we've heard already this evening, that this child is the one who has come to bring the Lord's salvation. This child is the one who has come to bring hope to God's people. And in his proclamation, he, he pushes the boundaries. Revelation to the Gentiles, not just for Israel. Yes, this child will bring glory to Israel but revelation to the whole world. God's plans are bigger than our human expectations of him. 
And, and Anna too is, is one who responds with, with joy uh, to those who she knows, the people that she's met in the temple precincts uh, week by week, month by month, year by year. Those people who, like her, are looking for God's activity uh, for Jerusalem. Uh, she says to them, this child, this child. Here is God's promise. There's a pointing to Jesus as the source of joy and hope and salvation. And Simeon and Anna, despite their age and stage of life, are those who, who bear witness to the joy and hope that Jesus has brought to them. In his infancy, they trust the promises of God for what this child will do. But of course, the proclamation is not simply joy and hope and peace. At, at its heart it is. But Simeon's words remind us too that not everyone uh, will readily welcome this child the coming of Jesus it will be the fall and rising of many in Israel. A reminder that God doesn't always do things in the way that we expect. For many of the people who inhabited the temple regularly, uh, this didn't fit with how they understood things were going to happen. And because minds were closed, there would be people who would look on this child and turn away. <coughs> Instead of looking on him and finding the joy and the salvation that he brings, they would turn away. Not everyone will accept the truth of who Jesus is. It's hard to, to take in. Sometimes we have a, we have a, a, a lovely gentleman in the parish uh, who, after uh, a lifetime of, of having wandered away from church, uh, a few years wandered back. And he's one of those folk now who's just sort of full of enthusiasm for his faith. He, he takes every opportunity there is, anything that's happening in church, he's there wanting to know more and more. Um, at times, when he comes with his questions, his enthusiastic questions about the things he's been reading in the Bible, you do have to sometimes say, Brian, can we talk about that just after the service? <laughs> uh, but, but one of the, the, the lovely things is he, he just says things the way that he, he, he sees them. And, uh, you know, on a number of occasions when we've been reading in, in Bible study and, and you see uh, the, the stories uh, where people turn away from Jesus when they reject Jesus with, with an almost childish innocence he, he, he looks and goes how could they do that oh if I had been there I, I, I would have just wanted to be with Jesus all the time and yet we know the reality is that uh, Jesus comes yes as joy and hope but he comes as a challenge to the way that we choose to live our lives. 
He comes as one who, who confronts us. Who says to us, turn uh, from the ways that you expect things to happen. Turn from your own self-centeredness. Turn afresh uh, to God and to his ways. And find your hope in me. And some will listen and some will turn away in our day as in Jesus' own. A sword will pierce your own soul too. What must those words have done to Mary? How they must have rung in her ears years later when she would see the truth that the rejection of Jesus by those who thought that they knew better would bring uh, the torturous pain of her watching her son die on a cross. <coughs> Jesus is to be proclaimed. He is proclaimed. But that proclamation uh, is a proclamation that will divide those who will turn penitently to him from those who think we know best and we'll choose our own way. As Morris reminded us, uh, the presentation of Christ in the temple stands in the church's year almost halfway between Christmas and Good Friday. Halfway between the joy of the incarnation, the truth of God with us, and the reality of the agony of the cross. As we contemplate the events in Jerusalem when the infant Jesus is presented in the temple, we are not simply to stand and look on with sentiment, but we're called to stand alongside Joseph and Mary in obedient service. We're to learn the gift of patience and waiting on the Lord with Simeon and Anna. And we are to hold out, to proclaim to all God's people the light and the salvation that we have found in Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Let us pray. Lord, help us to come afresh to the temple. Help us to see in your son the one who calls us the one who invites us to find in him our salvation the one who calls us to patient obedient service may we find in him our light our hope and may we share him with the world that we inhabit in your day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear us when we pray in we lift up our hearts and minds in prayer and faith. God the Father who loves us and knows our every need. In the name of God the Son, our advocate, with the Father who lives to intercede for us. In the power of God the Holy Spirit, who comes to the aid of our weakness and pleads within our hearts. Hear our prayers, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all, that we may learn to live as one family in obedience to your laws. Father of all, we are your family, and you call us to live as brothers and sisters. Help us to overcome the barriers that divide us as one nation from another. May we learn your ways and serve your will. We pray, O Lord, for our Queen and all who govern the island of Ireland. Guide those who rule over us and help them and enable them to order life so that injustice may be defeated and all may strive together for the common good. Lord, direct the minds and wills of all who have the power to vote in this country at this present time. May men and women of integrity, ability, and compassion be chosen. Give to us the blessing of a wise and just government to lead our nation in the ways of freedom and peace. Lord God, you taught us that we are members of one another, that no one lives for themselves alone. We thank you for our community of which we are a part for those who share with us in activities and for all who serve. 
opportunity to make our own contribution to the community and to learn to be good neighbours if by love we might serve one another. To you, keeping Lord, we commend those whose enjoyment of life has been taken away by sickness, by tragedy, or by sin. May your love sustain them in their suffering, and may your people care for them. Lord, we pray for your healing power upon our brother and friend Evan. <coughs> Give him peace that passes all understanding. Guard and comfort Evan and Alex in their time of need. God of hope and over all comfort, we commend to your keeping those who mourn the loss of loved ones, especially remembering those in our own community, Roderick and Judith. Give them peace that passes all understanding and make them aware that neither death nor life can separate them from your love. Set our hearts on Clive's love for you, Lord, that in its flame we may love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and our neighbour as ourselves, so that keeping your commandments we may glorify you, the giver of all good gifts. Merciful Father, accept these our prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you.